Hello and welcome to the Naked Podcaster, Stripping with My Daughter. I'm Jen, the mom and host of the Naked Podcaster. And I'm Alana. I'm the daughter and co-host. We're sharing our insight on tough topics from the perspective of the parent and the child. I'm so glad you joined us on this journey. Let's get started. I'm so glad you joined us for Stripping with My Daughter. Today, on our first episode, we decided to jump in and discuss the stuff that matters. So I'm going to talk about the things that I did or didn't do or why I did them from my perspective, and Alana's going to jump in from her perspective, the perspective of a child growing up. And Lala, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mom? I'm awesome. This is like so fun to do this together. And I know. And I topics are I'd fun. Stripping. <laughs> I never thought I'd be stripping with my daughter, but the Naked Podcast is about bearing it all. So clearly, we, we got to strip. start stripping. So in the stuff that matters, I graduated at 17. I was on my own. I didn't really have much of a safety net, although I was able to get help from my mom sporadically a couple times, even after uh, Brianna was born, my first biological daughter. But I didn't really have much of a safety net. So when I moved out into the world at 17, it really hit me what I didn't have and what I did have. And that wasn't just physical belongings. It was a lot of things. I remember my first Christmas on my own. There was no furniture in this little studio apartment. And I went to the dollar store and bought the dollar stockings that had the iron-on letters. And I had a little iron-on table, little college-sized ones on top of a milk crate. That was our dining room table. <laughs> and fancy. Uh, it was super fancy and I, you can be jelly. And I ironed them on and they burned because it was so cheap and they were crooked. And I hung them up and I remember Good thinking- Good job, mom. Good, thank you. Thanks, Lala. I just remember thinking, this shouldn't be sad. I don't feel sad. But Christmas was kind of a depressing time. And it was the beginning of realizing that you take things from your own upbringing. And Christmas was a really tough time in our house growing up. When Brie was, had her first Christmas and she was seven months old and she was sitting there playing more with the boxes than with, with her presents, it really hit me like, holy shit, I can make this anything I want. I don't have to, it doesn't have to be like it was when I was growing up. So the first thing that I want to talk about with you, Alana, are traditions. It was super important for me to have traditions so that you guys left with happy memories when mm -hmm. you were out on your own. So tell me traditions from your perspective. Well, you say traditions and I think of like the holiday traditions, like Every year on Christmas, we try and get you to cry when you read um, The Christmas Orange. But before we even get to reading the book, one lucky kid hides, well, two lucky kids when the family got big, hide chocolate oranges in the Christmas tree and everyone else is out of the room. And then whoever finds the orange gets to break it and then we pass out pieces and you read the story every year. And I love that. I was upset because this year I wasn't there for it. I'm actually, I went on a, online to find the book so I could buy a copy for all of you guys. And they, they're out of stock. But I, it's, no. 
it's on my list. So all of you kids get a copy of the Christmas orange when you moved out. And I, I've been trying to do that quite a bit. So the Christmas orange was about a little girl who grew up in an orphanage without parents. And because I did so much foster care and I grew up with so little, we were way below poverty level. And I felt like you guys were really blessed. I wanted you to have a very good perspective that life was different in other places and how blessed we really were. Even as a single mom struggling financially, I still, I wanted you guys to get that. Like it could have been a lot different for you, especially because we did so much foster care and adopting, right? Yeah. It would have been a lot different if we didn't do that, but they gave those kids a better chance. We did. And what could their life have been like if we hadn't? taking them in because you're a biological child yeah well I know for Nikki it would have been awful Taylor and Sam were still really they were babies when we got them so they could have been adopted by anyone else or had they not been adopted which is not as common for babies they would have been put in like foster homes and done all that I know, Kezi just wouldn't have been here. Um, Ash? Ash would Ash have been just, fine. Yeah, she would have been would have fine. Been but we had foster kids that came through, too. Christopher, Lily, you know. Oh, I miss Daisy. them. I know. <laughs> so, tradition. So, that is one tradi- tr- Christmas tradition. And I wanted to make Christmas special. So, we did the chocolate orange. What else? Because I made Christmas probably the biggest holiday oh yeah i love christmas now um well there was like high and low every night at dinner then there was like holiday traditions first and then jump into that yeah sure okay um so what other christmas traditions do we have i made you pajamas every single year every year by hand until you got old enough that it was like so much work and so expensive (laughs) so much material so much yeah, you hand sewed pajamas for all of us kids every year, which was awesome. I, I remember. Go ahead. One year, you accidentally sewed all the girls upside down. <laughs> I probably wanted so, to. So, like, <laughs> our patterns were upside down. And we all thought it was hilarious. We're just like, Mom, you did this to all of our shorts. <laughs> and we just laughed about it. It was fun. And you opened them Christmas Eve and got to wear them Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve and the Christmas ornaments. Every year you got us a new ornament based off of like us. So do you know why I bought you an ornament every year and you opened it on Christmas Eve and put it on the tree? And as you got older, you guys were only allowed to pick like three or four because the tree wouldn't have been big enough ever (laughs) for all of you kids to put all of your ornaments on. So we would... I love that you would take them all out and remember all of them and then choose like three or four that you wanted to put on. And then you'd know you get the new one on Christmas Eve. So Mm -hmm. why did I, why was that such a big deal for me? Because I always thought it was so that when we moved out and our first Christmas by ourselves, we put up a tree and we'd have something to decorate it with. Yep. And like, I didn't like, I thought it was normal for people to get in like, stuff and then when I moved out my first Christmas out of the house when we went to set up a Christmas tree in my room it was just like no I don't want a Christmas tree 
they're stupid and I have nothing to put on it and I don't want to spend money and I was just like I have a bunch of ornaments from like my childhood and growing up and every Christmas but I wanted you guys to be able to move out and start your own Christmas tree with all of the good memories you had from growing up. So it was super important to me that Christmas was a happy time, not a depressing time. And it wasn't about getting a lot of stuff. It was about the spending time with the the people that mean a lot. Right. And the emotion behind it. So then those are the biggest ones. And so we never did like a, a lot of families do open a present on Christmas Eve. And we didn't because you guys got the pajamas and the ornament and mm-hmm. we did the Christmas orange and that was our Christmas Eve. It has nothing to do with food or like a high monetary value, mm-hmm. but it was, it was about the memories. And then there's Easter and Valentine's day. Yeah. You always got us stuff. You guys had little baskets and I liked that to be about art supplies and stuff like that. Stuff that you, yeah. Needed. Um, because I was never big in candy. So jump in and talk about, th- those are kind of like the holiday traditions. Um, and the word tradition, it's just something that you do on a regular basis that you're instilling in your kids. So you brought up high-low. So tell us about high-low. So high-lows, you say the high point of the day and the low point of the day. And we would do it every night at dinner. And you'd just be like, all right, time for high-low. And then you'd either pick or someone would volunteer to say they're high low there like the best thing that happened today and the worst thing and the more we did it like the more nights in a row we remembered it like because sometimes we'd forget but that's human nature you would like we would all have more highs than lows that was a big deal. I remember we had an issue at one yeah. point with the low talking about negative things in the day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it really quickly became a focus. Like, let's talk about all the shitty stuff that happened today. And I just really didn't like that. And so I remember having to limit it to one low, like the biggest but as thing. many highs. And then as many highs as you wanted and I, I was really big. I'm, I've always been really big. I might not say it specifically, but I'm being grateful, showing gratitude. And high-low was kind of a way at dinner time. It did a couple of things. It, it put us all in the mindset of gratitude because it's good to talk about something that wasn't good about your day. And I have to say, I learned more about you guys in this little exercise. And it took a while because it was a big family, but I got mm-hmm. to hear something about like, I got to hear something about your day that wasn't that great. And then I got to hear about a lot of good things about your day. And it helped me as a mom kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what was going on with you guys. And on that one low, I have to say, I learned a lot about where you were at and what was going on at school and in your lives. Now, it doesn't mean there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff going on that I didn't know about, but especially when you were little and Mm -hmm. real honest, you know, do you remember Gabby? Um, when she was in kindergarten doing a low that we all stopped. We were at the table and she said, my low today is that I don't have any friends. And she was a real shy. I do remember that. And I said, why don't you have any friends? And she said, because I don't have fancy hair. And she was crying. And I'm like, what's fancy hair? And it was like all, a lot of the Hispanic kids come with their hair really done up. And I'm not, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but 
you know, it's very important. They have all these mm -hmm. French braids and stuff. And she was sitting at a table with all kids that were Hispanic that didn't speak English because Gabby was so far ahead academically. The teacher placed her with them, her, her with them for until like third grade because mm -hmm. um, she was helping them learn English and they were not nice to her. She wasn't really, they, I'm sure appreciated her, but they weren't nice to her because she didn't have fancy hair. And we, it made me cry. And from that day forward, I braided her hair special every single day. And one day she said she didn't want it. And I said, why don't you want fancy hair? And she goes, well, those girls really just aren't very nice anyway. So it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but like that was yeah. from high low. I got to know a lot of things about you guys from high low. And another thing I wanted it to do, and you can touch on this. I wanted you guys to feel like I could sit down without a phone, without the TV and that and you were important and listen. Yeah. And as you got older, mm -hmm. I was like, you need to put down the phone and give me 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You jerk kids. <laughs> no phones at the table. We all hide it under. Yeah, I know. But I did have, I was pretty strict about a no technology at the table. I really yeah. wanted dinner to be a time when we could focus on each other. Be with family. So we did high-low and then we changed it. Sometimes I- When we got older and we switched. Go ahead. We switched to um, those little cards in the Quite jar. Conversation starters. Yeah. We switched to those instead of high low when we all start getting to high school getting older because we were all just like high low my day sucked well it kind of didn't suck like we didn't open up as much during high low so we started right. conversation starters and i still have those i mean high low you can do you don't need anything to do it you just no. talk about your day okay so when we talked before, you brought up a couple things. <laughs> Let's talk about discipline real quick, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You weren't super strict, and your forms of discipline were more just like, well, now you're going to go sit in your room and think about what you did without the siblings in there. Um, I only remember, like, one time when I was like really little, you spanked me. But I remember you coming up to me and telling me this story. You were like, you spanked me once. I'm like, when did I spank you? Because I really wasn't a big spanker. No, you weren't. Um, I was wearing a new white dress and I wanted some grape juice. Grape and juice? You, oh, yeah. <laughs> you said I could have some after I changed out of my dress because you didn't want me to spill it on my brand new white dress. And so me being so graceful as we all know I am, I decided I didn't need to change out of my dress to get some grape juice because I would never spill it. And then I spilled it all over my brand new white dress. And well, I couldn't hide it, so I had to tell you, and I got spanked, because yeah. I didn't, yep. 
I, I remember when you told me that story, like I remember getting spanked. I was like, oh, la, la, what, why did I get that mad? And you told me, I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't think you were traumatized from that. I'm, I feel pretty. Oh, good. no. Okay. I wanted discipline to be where there was a consequence that kind of met it. I know a big thing for me with a huge family was when we went places in public, you guys knew how to act appropriately, show respect, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's okay to talk and stuff, but being super loud or super obnoxious or throwing fits or just was not acceptable to me. And so I would, we would sit in the van, the creepy 15 pastor van, you know, that I had to drive because it was such a big family. And what would I tell you before we all went into a place like to eat dinner or something? You would say that if anyone acts up or like causes a scene, they wouldn't get their dinner and could eat at home and would sit in the car with a parent. Correct. None like of us ever better to do that. What? So do you remember when someone did, when that did happen? Cause it did happen once, but not all of you guys remember. I know it was one of the boys. Yeah. So Taylor, Taylor, I, knew I, up in a restaurant. Taylor. I got my food to go. I went into the car with Taylor and sat in the car when we got home, he had peanut butter and jelly. I just removed him completely. And I know, I think it's Olivia, because you guys were pretty little and you were all really right. close in age, said like, you know, when I said something was going to happen or not, it absolutely was going to happen or not. I basically, oh, I yeah. said it, that, that was it. And nobody disbelieved me, but you'd never seen it in action either. And so I remember her saying, yep, you picked him up brought him outside kicking and screaming into the car. And I knew I was never going to act up in public because I always <laughs> did what I said. <laughs> I was never going to act up too. I remember it was a boy. I guess it was either Taylor or Sam, but Sam would have been like, I would have remembered. But, yeah. You know, I, I, I like the consequences to kind of fit, but I think I've been pretty laid back and I want you guys yeah. to understand that. I shouldn't have to do a lot of discipline. Once you get school age, I'm not doing a lot of discipline because most of the time the discipline is going to happen on the school level. And your grandpa bills used to tell your dad, like you better figure it out at school. Cause if, if it comes home, then you're just getting kicked twice. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I kind of, remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, you know, when kids get in trouble for something and have a consequence at school, I can, I like being aware of it and knowing about it and being alerted about it, but I don't need to kick them twice. They already are getting consequences. There were times when that spilled over and you, you needed to get consequences at home. But for the most part, I also think a lot of times there are natural consequences. So like if you're not doing your homework and you lie about it, it's going to bite you in the ass at some point. Because your grades are yeah. So let's talk about you brought up a couple other things. Do you remember? Um, those tradition wow words traditions discipline. Uh, I have a what terrible about, memory. You brought up something. I'm gonna send this. To, I'm gonna send you a chat too. Oh, I don't know. You brought up some really good stuff. You should have taken notes. I should have. 
that's okay. Oh, I did not know there was a chat here. This is amazing. I know. This is our first time um, doing this big Zoom call. Yeah. Um, so a couple other, well, there was like exposure to sports and adventure. And those can kind of go hand in hand because like sports are an adventure. So. Well, I thought everything in life was an adventure because that seems super fun to me. And the other issue for me with the whole, it's okay, it's an adventure, or me always saying, it's all right, I've been lost here before. Like, I, I have <laughs> no sense of direction. And I could- I got that from you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Mom. I say I'm directionally challenged. I am very directional. I will <laughs> back out of the driveway and be going in the wrong direction and be like, oh my God, I have to go back in the driveway to turn around the other way. So the issue with me was that could be something that was really stressful or annoying, frustrated, made me angry, but I'm not really that personality. So instead I decided like, oh, well, it's just an adventure. I've been lost here before. And if I haven't, I probably will be again. And to take the stress off myself before kids, it was sort of like, ah, it's just an adventure. We'll figure it out. I mean, surprise it, adventure, <laughs> impromptu road trip. <laughs> Don't know how long it's going to last, but here we go. So adventure to me was that kind of spilled over in my life. Like everything's an adventure. You know, Gabby was the worst one at throwing temper tantrums in the grocery store when she was real little, like not, not at a Oh, point I know spanking her or threatening to take her home. She didn't care. Um, More just publicly embarrassment. And this doesn't, I mean, like I can get all uptight about it, but you know, I was like, well, this is just my adventure with Gabby. So it was a mindset for me that I really wanted to pass on. So when you brought it up earlier, I was so excited that like that word even came out of your mouth because if you look at everything as an adventure, then it's not as challenging. It's not as negative. Yeah. I'm still on an adventure that never ends. Me too. Well, so I was glad fun. that you brought that up. And you also related adventure in our earlier conversation. You definitely need to take notes. Um, I, I do. That, that related to you as being comfortable in your skin. So tell me how that relates. That attitude. Well, if you never go on adventures and you don't really do anything then you're just staying stagnant somewhere and you you don't get to know yourself when you're stagnant and if you stay stagnant for a really long time like i know for me at least i get restless and very easily agitated and then i don't like having people around and it just then i start becoming a person i don't want to be and it's just if you're not someone you want to be, it's hard to be completely comfortable in your skin. It's hard to, it's hard to do things. Plus, if you don't go on adventures and try new things, you don't expand your comfort zone, which makes everything you do hard and difficult and uncomfortable. So by going on adventures, you create more of a person for yourself. I love that. And I love that. Hopefully I instilled in all of you guys that like everything, including getting lost in your own driveway is an adventure. So it's constantly 
making you, I guess, more comfortable in your own skin. Is that what you were saying about it? Yeah. Adventure constantly expands who you are and helps you become more comfortable with doing new things. So where for me, it started out as just something like, oh, this is positive. It's a positive mindset about something that could be negative to me. It became, it took on a whole new life with you, which is so cool. Okay. So I was a single mom for um, a while and I have no judgment about trailer parks or apartment complexes. I couldn't care less. I think I was raised so below poverty though. It wasn't, I think wherever you live, that's your home. You make it your home. And so I don't have any judgment. So that's a direct contradiction to me make wanting to make sure that you guys always grew up we were living in a house. And I think that was my own baggage coming from poverty. It's not where you live. It's the stigma of other people about where you live. I didn't want you guys to go to school and be like, oh, you live in the trailer park and get negative feedback from peers about where you lived. Even though I don't believe that that should be true, it was important for me that you guys didn't feel the way I felt growing up. Right. That whole below poverty. So that, this is a place for some of my baggage. But how did you, as far as growing up, we were always in a house. I always rented a house. And it was mm-hmm. really hard financially. Did you See, guys I, have stigma? No. I mean, we didn't always live in the best neighborhoods. But like, and you know, sometimes the neighborhoods weren't always the best, but it was a house. I always assumed we were in a house because there was nothing smaller that would fit us all. That's Which, probably true. That could be true. Realistically. Yeah. But like, I had friends growing up who lived in the trailer parks and I would go over to their house and be like, this is so cool. You can just pack up and leave at any point. And I just thought it was super cool that there was so many different places that you could live. But like being in a house, I, I never thought of it growing up it's It's so funny it's where we lived because that's totally my baggage it's just totally that was totally my baggage thinking it was so important for you guys to be in a house even if it was in a not great neighborhood right we didn't live in the massive hood or anything but no yeah it was just really important to me that you had this sense of place or belonging and probably none of you cared about it at all that's it's interesting because this is about the stuff that mattered that was something that mattered to me (laughs) you guys had no idea Mm -hmm. nope it's just where we lived so what about exposure to sports and that i guess that you said that kind of goes with adventure and being comfy in your skin yeah so how did you feel about that growing up? Because I know it was important for me. Oh, I love I love it. I love like running and riding bikes and rock climbing and just going for walks around the neighborhood to help explore it and figure out my way around it. Like just enjoying nature. Like I'll still, well, I can't run right now, 
but like I'll still go on mini adventures like there's a bunch of parks that are near me and I'll go and explore them and take pictures as I go plus then if I get lost I can just look at the pictures see where I've been but like just like swimming I would do that with you a lot and like you just would always be like all right guys I'm going for a run run at this time if you're coming be ready and then we would all just go for a run. I loved it when you guys rode your bikes. And because I'm directionally challenged, I also had no issue. You guys rode the bus to school. And so you would know the neighborhoods based on the bus route. And I mm -hmm. loved it when you guys were on your bike and you're like, let's go this way because this is how our bus goes. And I had like no fear at all. We were going to get lost or it was going to be a problem or, you know, we were going to, we never lived in such a bad area of town that I was worried about that part either. Right. But I loved how involved you guys got at like mapping out routes for me as far as that goes. And then I have never skied in my life. I've been to a, Oh my gosh, I will teach you. This is so crazy, right? So I grew up in Vermont, well, at high school in Vermont, and then lived 10 years in Alaska. And there was one time in Alaska that uh, Kezia was a baby. She was just a few months old. And I went to the ski resort. I had skis on. I went up the bunny. I went basically up the lift and down the bunny hill. One, I did one run. And that is the only time I have skied at all. But I grew up in places we couldn't afford it and everybody mm -hmm. else skied. And so it was something that I wanted you guys to learn. Plus your dad was a ski instructor. He had been all over Germany and, um, you know, did some extreme skiing. So it was really important for him. So even though I never want, not one time went to the ski resort with you guys growing up for probably 12 years, 10 to 12 years, I paid half of everyone's ski pass. Dad and I split. Remember, we'd show up, we'd stand in yep. the line, and Dad and I would split the cost of the of the ski passes. So every all of you guys learned how. So it was really important to me that you were exposed to different things and you tried different things because you don't know if you like them or not unless you try them. And it's not like every kid tried every sport. No, but no. I I it was really important to me for you guys. And again, that was my baggage. I was never in any sport ever growing up, ever. Um, the only thing I ever did in my entire, all the way through graduating high school was I did track in seventh and eighth grade, probably because I was like all legs and looked like <laughs> a baby deer and just gangly. <laughs> but I felt so left out of that world. And, and, and still I'll go to a basketball game or football game. I love watching, but I don't understand all the rules, oh. you know? So I wanted you guys yeah to know what you liked and if you liked it and understand it. So that was super important to me. That mattered mm -hmm. to me. And you're glad. Yeah. Well, now, like, I, I have good running habits and I know good form. I love to go on bike rides. Like, I learned all these things from you. So, yeah. I also, I had a side note, too, because I grew up in a very unhealthy environment food-wise and emotion-wise and weight, you know, weight wise and stuff like that with my mom. And I wanted you to learn. There are certain things I wanted you guys to leave the house with, and this will segue into like, other stuff. Like, like learning tools, cleaning, yeah, tools, cooking, cooking, cleaning. I wanted you to know as much about yourself and be as comfortable with yourself as you could. So I, I wanted you 
to do it growing up because it's fun and you learn and you don't feel left out and you find what you like, but also mm -hmm. it's part of learning how to be healthy as an adult. If any right. of you guys are unhealthy, it's not because you didn't learn it, it's because you're making choices. And I wanted that. So go into tools. You, you mentioned tools first. Well, yeah, like learning tools. So there's not a lot that I do where you didn't teach me to some point how to do it. Like you taught me how to hand sew to a point. So like if a button pops off, it's not a big deal. I can sew it back on. But most of my friends like here at school, if one of their button pops off their uniforms, they're out of regulations. Most of them don't know how to sew it back on. So they have to take it to like the dry cleaners or the alterations place and have them sew it on for like two bucks, I think. And I just buy a sewing kit. And then there's other stuff like ironing my clothes. I've learned not everyone knows how to iron their clothes. And like, there's just so many things like that that you taught us. Like, the best way to organize stuff so everything fits. And so like, it's helped you. You don't yeah. even realize that it helps until you're out doing it. Right. Yeah. I remember when Bree first moved out in college, she called me and she said, um, she moved in with three other girls into this, you know, oh, apartment, yeah. right. And they told her that the dryer didn't work. And uh, she looked at the dryer and she immediately checked the vent and it was so packed full. She had to call, uh, the, maintenance to get so it. the guy could come up and and help vacuum it out and get it out and so she she called me and she's like not only do they not know that there's a vent on the dryer and that you need to empty it so that the clothes will dry but it could start a dryer it could start a fire and i wanted you guys to learn all of that stuff because when you get out on your own you know, you may be a slob, but it's not because you didn't learn how. Again, it's because you're making choices. But I wanted you right. to know those things, understand those things. And again, I was a kid that grew up with nothing. And so if like to fix the cable, we had to, I had to learn how to do it. If I didn't mm -hmm. know how to fix the cable, there was nobody coming to show up for a $35 charge to fix it. Or the toilet was running or the water was overflowing. I mean, I remember one time the, wa <laughs> the washer, the the water on the washing machine like just blew and while i'm there trying to turn off the nozzle on the inside which was like rusted open um you just you ran outside and shut the water main off because you knew how to do it yeah but how I odd think, that is i think all of that's common sense because like i grew up getting taught all of this but then i like go out and move to a house and they're just like there's this leak and we can't stop it because the water won't stop. And I'm just like, turn off the water main. Right. T so I, that, that was something good from growing up in poverty is that I had to learn how to do all these things or stuff just wouldn't happen. And so that was something I was actually really proud of being able to do like mom, the door's not shutting. So I know that sometimes that means it needs to be sanded down a little. And sometimes you just need to put a bar of soap over it a couple of times. So it's more smooth. You just, you learn those. I learned those things and I want to pass them on to you because it's so much easier to just know how to do things than have to call somebody and feel helpless all the time. I was so thankful that I wasn't helpless. I wanted to pass that on to you guys. And if oh, you yeah. don't clean your bathroom, it's because you're a slob and the bathroom doesn't matter. 
<laughs> you know how to clean the damn bathroom. So that was one yeah. thing and learning the tools. And so when dad and I were married, something that I wanted to implement was when you turn 12, you got a toolbox, a main kit, and then yes. every year you add it. Now, when we divorced, he took that over, mm -hmm. which was great because I think he understood the value. One thing when I moved out of the house is I may not know how to use a hammer, but I didn't own a tool. So I wanted you guys to leave with a full tool set, knowing how to cook and clean, knowing how to eat healthy, knowing that being outside and in the sunshine and laughing a lot and the adventure, like all those things are important and that you had a toolbox and you knew how to use everything in it. And so yeah. I think that kind of got a little disjointed as time went on. I don't know how much dad kept up on it, but you guys, my goal was that you all left with the toolbox. So yeah, not only did you know how, but you had the tools to be able to do those things. Well, how dad did it was we had the tools and he taught us the basics of it. Like he would go through the toolbox with us when we got it and show us where everything went and how it would all fit and what their purpose was. And then if we like came crying to him saying, my bike fell apart, the, the bolts are all come off. He's just like, well, you have a toolbox. You know how your bike works more than I do. Go fix it. I think in that and way, we would. We, that was something that was easy to agree on that he totally understood because although he grew up a lot differently than I did, he was an avid outdoor mountain bike and mm -hmm. whitewater kayaking and adventure skiing, like hella skiing and stuff. <clears throat> so for him, when you're out there, if you get stuck, you can't call your <laughs> maintenance dude to fix it. So I'm, I was glad about that. So that was tools. And then the same thing, we talked about cleaning. We had a tour wheel when you guys were growing up and I rotated it. I don't like to clean, but I do like my house to be like, no, and I try to make that an adventure too. We'd make it a game. Like let's all, let's all get our chores done so that, cause once it's done, we could have a, a different adventure. We could go have fun. Like I remember growing up, me and Ashley specifically all the time, we would get sick of like Kezia's clothes everywhere and all that. So we'd be like, well, let's make a game out of it. Let's play housemaids. So we pretended we were paid maids for rich, snooty, rich, rich girls, like snooty little rich girls. And we had to clean their stuff and we would just have a blast. We'd put on some music, pretend we were these housemaids getting paid to clean. And we would just put all our crap on their bed and put our stuff away. And like, we would just clean the room that way. Ah, my phone fell. But, like, that's, we just did that, and it was fun. And then, like, there was other cleaning stuff we learned. Like, I remember the toilet got clogged one day at Dad's house, and nothing was working. So we had to completely remove the toilet. And he was just like, well, you guys all might, might as well learn while I'm doing this. And so we all learned how to remove a toilet to fix a stupid clog if it won't go all the way like if something's actually stuck and he did the same with like how to properly unclog a sink if you can't get through the top and like deep cleaning stuff like that so it wasn't all like just dust this dust that type of cleaning but it was like if something's messed up, how do you get in there and deep clean it so it works? Which was awesome because I've learned like no one knows how to drain a sink. Right. Or unclog a sink. 
It's just with cleaning, you learned how to do so much. And then you guys also, I know at dad's house, he was really big on us cooking. And we'd always have to clean up our mess afterwards, naturally. But for cooking, we all had to sign up for at least one night a month to cook. And for you, we would just cook with you. Yeah, I think I was much more, I don't think that there's a, I think there's, there's no right or wrong. The way he did it was awesome. The way I did it was awesome. I did it more in my style and he did it more in his style. And I'm always big about cleaning up. I'm telling you right now, the world would be a much easier place if everybody just cleaned up after themselves. (laughs) And it's not even, it doesn't even take that much time, but you know, people just making an effort to clean up after themselves would be like enormous. Um, I, in my house, I prefer to do things with you, but I also didn't want chicken nuggets and fries. Right. So I wanted to make homemade lasagna, or I think I did oh. dinners. But you got it doesn't matter. Either way, both ways are great. You guys all learned how to cook and mm-hmm. and menu plan because we menu planned every single week and then oh, we yeah. list. Same thing with buying clothes. This was a big thing with a big family. We, um, I couldn't afford a ton of clothes. So I remember every summer and you guys would go through all of your clothes and set aside anything that didn't fit. And we had the donate pile and the trash pile. And then in the donate pile, you guys could rotate through when you were really little. I did it. And I just got passed down to the next smallest kid if it was, Mm -hmm. but as you guys got older and closer to the same size, everyone would have their donation pile and you guys went through each other's piles. We would be like, oh, this is mine now. And, <laughs> exactly. And exchange things and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. I had you make a list of anything that you needed. And socks, underwear, and bras we would go and buy at Walmart. And other things, I tried to make a game out of it. This was something that was really hard as a parent. I could never afford to bring everybody on a big shopping trip, you know, like, Hey, here's $300. We're going to the mall, have your list of everything you need. And if, and if you get everything you need and there's extra, then you can get stuff you want. I could never do that. So what we did was we went to a lot of secondhand stores and you'd have your list. And I wanted to make it fun because it was hard for me that that was financial, my Mm -hmm. financial baggage. But also I love, I personally love secondhand stores. So I had my love of secondhand stores and the fact that I wanted to make it an adventure. So you guys had to find like the highest quality. Like I got a brand new pair with the tags on Abercrombie jeans for two fifty. that sort of thing. I wanted to make it a game so that you guys got everything that you needed for clothing for school. Um, but I could afford for you to do that. Right. And I, I loved it. It was so much fun. Like, there was no set styles you could find there. I still go to them. Like, there's anything. I remember I could never find pants that fit me if we went to, like, a store. Because they just never had something that was that skinny and that long. But at secondhand stores, I would find, like, four pairs and be like, Mom, I found four pairs of jeans that fit. And you'd be like, awesome! Narrow it down to two. Uh-huh. And I'd have to like pick my favorite two out of them 
and like I I found things that fit more and you could really go with any style you wanted because they had any style. I, I love though it. recently now that you're on your own and you're in the Air Force whoop, whoop, whoop. and you're making more money and you only have yourself to take care of so you've learned the concept of budgeting and all that stuff but you went shopping for yourself at a store and bought everything brand new. It wasn't a second. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did do that. And I was just like, I shouldn't be spending this much on me. Then I looked at my bank account and was just like, but budget wise, I can afford to do this. And I felt so bad that I was spending like, I, I only spent like 150 on clothes and it was all on sale. Like they were doing a bunch of promos. And like everything fit really well. But I what just, I'm glad about is that you still so went weird. shopping brand new, but you got everything on sale and you did promos. Like it's still important. Yeah, I obviously. You taught me if you go shopping in an actual store, you check the clearance racks first. See, I mean, that just seems like common sense to me. You want to get the most bang for your buck. So I always, whether when I'm buying things from a store and they're new, I want to buy the winter items in the summer when they're clearance for the yeah. next. I always buy, I tend to buy things for the next season coming and then I save money. Plus no one's looking at them. So no. you don't have to fight for, you know, so you did that and it was so cute and you did a little fashion show. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, Mom, look what I got. And that makes me feel sad and happy. I mean, I'm glad I instilled in you really being good with your, like looking at your bank account. And knowing that you have the money and getting as much on promos or on sale and shopping the clearance racks first and then moving on. I'm really glad I did that. Uh, I instilled that in you. However, I don't ever want you to feel guilty about spending money on yourself on things that you need or that you want. Because if you have the ability to do that, then you should not feel guilty. I had a large volume of kids and I had to make sure everybody had clothes and shoes and underwear and school supplies and some stuff you can't buy on sale and some stuff you can. So for me, it was really, really important. So the only bad thing about that whole situation is that you have guilt about it. But well, I'll pass I, it. That guilt went away. <laughs> but like after I wore, you know, the clothes the first couple of times. But like I felt bad for spending that much money on myself. Because, like, I, I got this from you. I don't like buying myself stuff. Like, I've no problem, like, if someone is short, like, 20 bucks on something for some stuff they need, I have no problem helping. But, like, to buy myself stuff, it was mostly that expensive because I had no summer clothes here that were within regulations. So I had to get new clothes. Because I know none of my stuff from home fits me as well anymore. So it was like, I know I need this, but like, it was just a lot of money. And I'm so used to having such a tight budget that it was odd to have that much to spend. I get it. And you are, you're right. You are like me. Like, we're the givers. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put ourselves on the back burner. That's great except that it's to a fault and then it's not great anymore. So you yeah. and I need to learn to be a little more balanced in that. Okay, let's wrap it up and talk about, is there anything else 
because what we've discussed is the stuff that matters. I also, I want to end talking a little bit about, I wanted to be the mom that was going to give you consequences, but also was the first person you should call when you're at a party drunk and you're, you need to get out. So I wanted you to, you guys to grow up knowing you could talk to me about anything and I'm not passing judgment, but there could possibly be a consequence, not in the moment, but at some point there's going to be a consequence. Mm -hmm. Was that, how was that? Cause I know you didn't come to me all the time and there were times that you could have that I can't believe you didn't. Well, I, I became a very much an individual growing up. So I wanted to be able to figure everything out, everything out on my own. But I know there were some things that I came to you on because like, I just had absolutely no idea what, what to do where I wanted you to at least know what was going on. But most of the time I was just like, no one needs to know about this. I can deal with it myself. Because like, I didn't, I never wanted you to worry about me or like be scared of how I turned out. I wanted you to just believe that everything was fine and dandy and I got this whole life thing. So I just, I always kept to myself. So you made it harder on yourself, even though you could have, but did you know you could come to me and it would be like, Oh yeah. I okay. Knew I could come to you. So you were just dumb about it then. I'm just stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the other kids kind of felt the same way as you? Cause you're kind of a representation representation. I mean, it's hard to come to your parents with something that where you screwed up and you know, there may potentially be consequences or maybe, you know, I'm, I may, make you get help that you need or I may be disappointed mm -hmm. so even though you knew you could how do you think I, do you think you guys all kind of because I also did want to raise you to be fiercely independent so I guess mm -hmm. that that kind of is a contradiction well I know with some of the younger kids they like before they go to a parent they go to the older siblings oh great though that's great yeah because like I remember Gabby had your car one day and she popped a tire and I was out on a date and instead of calling you and being like, mom, I popped a tire. She called me and was just like, oh, Lana, I popped mom's tire. Come help. And I showed up with the guy I was dating at the time who worked on cars and we like looked at the tire and we're just like, yeah, there's no spare. This tire's trash. You're going to have to call mom. I'm not going to. It wasn't. Like, I didn't do it. I remember I that. And I remember you. being proud of her for calling you to try to take care of the situation on her own. Well, she knew I knew how to change a tire. And she didn't know, like, where a spare tire was. So I, like, showed her while I was there. And then I was just like, so this is where the tire would be if we had one. So... And then she called me and we parked it and we got the tires straightened out. And yep. I, you guys have called me for a lot of things and then you haven't, but I love that you actually call each other. That, that means a lot to me. So I think I sort of did what I wanted to do that. You knew if you were in a place where you needed help, you are able to find resources to get help. And it doesn't always have mm -hmm. to be me, but you yeah. knew it could be me. Well, yeah. Anything else in things that matter growing up? 
Um, the only other thing, we only lightly touched on eating healthy. Mm. But you, you were big on that. Yeah. And now so I can't. Now. Yeah, I learned how to cook healthy food. I learned how to eat healthy. And now I just, I can't stand unhealthy stuff. Like that sweet, sugary, completely artificial food. I just can't eat it more than like once a month. I think that's a good thing. I wanted you guys to learn yeah. that because it's so important. That's a long-term thing. Mm -hmm. You know how to menu plan. You know how to budget. You know how to shop for it. You know how to cook it. You know when you're eating out that there are healthier alternatives. And um, because that's the rest of your life, eating's like 80%. I always think it's like you, you change the oil on your car and you do all the maintenance on your car and then you supersize your McDonald's. You know, and like, this is the only body you get. You get one, one body. So you, you should probably maintain it better than your car. Um, and I know that like one of Gabby and Taylor's favorite like uh, treats is the, the, are the peach rings. And they're so great. They're so nasty. But I get it. I get that you have things that are not healthy that you like. It's not like I'm perfect. Um, or you like something, so you eat way too much of it all the time. But I wanted you guys well, to I know. Yeah. I, I wanted you guys to know how. And then also that I was a resource if you hit a point where, you know, you've had kids or you've gained weight or you kind of got off. And, and a lot of you guys have come back and talked to me. Like menu planning growing up is not the same as menu planning as an adult on your own doing it by yourself. No, it's not. Yeah. It's so, so much harder. But and you and I have had that conversation. Gabby, Bree, Olivia. Talk, I mean, most of you guys have come back. And I, I do. Christopher was probably, this was an eating thing and a cleaning thing. So Christopher, because, you know, he came to us through foster care and aged out with us and everything. And he... He came when he was around 10 and then permanently when he was 12 and then aged out. And I had the tour wheel and he hated doing the kitchen. It was like, it didn't matter if he was doing, helping with cooking or the, like he hated kitchen duty. And then he went into Job Corps to finish high school and to get some training. And they have what's called KP and it's kitchen duty. Yep. They have that in the military too. Yep. But it's like 800 people. And I remember him coming home one day and being like, mom, you know how I used to be so rude about kitchen duty and I hated it and I had a bad attitude and you just ignore me and wait for me to get it done anyway. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I had no idea because KP for is so gross. It's, it's so much. More. And he's like, everything you taught me, like I, he said, when I got on KP duty, I realized I know how to do all of this. And that makes it so much easier. And, you know, like that was the funniest thing that the thing he did <laughs> most on the tour wheel was the thing he got stuck with in life, you know, doing <laughs> KP. <laughs> that's and life though. That's life, right? All of us get stuck with KP and hate it at some point. So Lala, any words of wisdom from a child's perspective? Do what your parents say. They're trying to help you. For the most part. Whether you believe it or not, you'll realize it one day. I think as a parent, 
figure out the things that are really important to you and try to differentiate why. Is it because it's something that's really important that you've learned or is it the baggage that you carry? And sometimes that's not a bad thing, but we need to determine why we're parenting the way that we are. And on top of that, just like stick to it because everybody's telling you how to parent and that no, everyone's an expert and no one's an expert. And for the kids, if you're an adult kid, we would love to hear feedback on the things your parents taught you that you hated, that once you were an adult, you realized they were actually not stupid assholes. They might have known what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> because I love hearing the examples that people have, because we, we all have them. We've all moved out and been like, oh, yeah. my God. So... Thank you, Lala, our first episode, and we are going to get into some pretty nitty-gritty conversations about really serious stuff, from sex to suicide to drugs and alcohol, all of the issues that we have as parents raising our kids, and I'm thankful because Alana's jumping on and discussing those same situations from the, the, although she's an adult, from the kid's perspective growing up in that situation. And I don't say this to most of my guests, but I love you so much. I love you so much too, Mom. Thank you for joining us today on our adventure. We love engaging with all of you, so comment or get in touch. I'm glad you were willing to bear it all with us today. We look forward to hearing from you.